Marini's Media. Hello and welcome to the Offside Rule WSL edition with Football Manager. It's Lindsay Hooper here. No Kate, she's sunning herself in Dubai having her very own mid-season break. I'll be having mine too soon. But on today's pod, yep, you guessed it, Storm Dennis. We need to say no more. I'm stormed out completely. The FA Cup fifth round battled the elements and only two games survived. Holders Manchester City still the headlines, putting 10 past Ipswich, including a hat-trick of hat-tricks. And we review the midweek fixtures. And when I say we, I'm saying we because joining me on the show, helping me out, it's double trouble. A big hello to the Kamita twins, Molly and Rosie. Hello, thanks for having us. Our debut. This is your debut (laughs) on the WSL edition. Lovely. Um, What have you been both up to? I know that, Molly, you were on the squad, was it? No, that was Rosie. See, I got your names right. I just don't get what you're you're doing in your... Listen, it's fine. We answer to anything now, honestly. (laughs) So you were doing the squad, Rosie, at the weekend for Five Live. but, But you've had quite a lot going on in golf buggies, I've seen recently on social media. We have, yeah. I mean... It's been amazing, yeah. The the way that you know we've been able to to transition really and start our first real big gig in the media on golf buggies. You can't <laughs> can't ask for a better job, can you? So. I think this is the equivalent of James Corden and and his, <laughs> and his little carpool karaoke. You haven't heard us sing yet. Don't, don't <laughs> yeah, speak don't too say soon. that. Don't say that. Unless you want a little gun, Rose, right? give a little. Oh, stitching <laughs> you up there. Nah, Simon Cowell will be on the phone. I can't be bothered. <laughs> the thing that you take away, though, girls, is that you have such fun. You obviously love it, and um, and it's been a seamless transition. Really, you've got to do some great stuff. Yeah, I think for us, we, we've been playing about 15 years. We're, we're 25 now, so we're getting <gasps> <Ancient>. on. <laughs> we're getting on, and and we just got to a point where we said, you know what? There's maybe a lot of opportunities that happen when you're not attached to a football club that maybe we can go and explore as a two and we can't complain getting to do stuff like that with you know your twin is uh, amazing actually and getting some of those experiences together uh, something that I think we've always wanted to find a way that we can work together and I think we finally found it so yeah definitely and I think in terms of like our football careers you have to be honest with yourself as well as a footballer and realise where where you are at as Mm -hmm. a footballer and for me personally I knew it weren't getting better than West Ham for me so I had complete closure of that and knowing that you know I've done the best I could within my career um, and then it was it was ready to to move on to other things you know. And you must be proud sister when you're seeing Molly as well doing the MUTV stuff (laughs) because you look like you're in your element with that one. Yeah it was a honestly when I got the call up about Man United and for me, the passion is women's football. So to get the Man United women's football gig alongside Casey Stoney and, and the squad that she's brought in, it's just, it's amazing. They've been so welcoming to me. And to get to be on the road with them pretty much and be at every game and see their transition throughout the season in their first year of the WSL, yeah, it's a great squad to be a part of. Definitely. And I'm, I'm super proud of Mo, to be honest, because I don't think anyone sees the hard work that has to go into being in front of the camera for the time that she is on the on the pitch with the girls and talking to the camera, the amount that goes into it behind the scenes, no one really sees that, but I get to see that. Yeah. Um, so it's yeah, it's been great to uh, watch Mole transition into yeah. that. that that's role. a really important point because lots of people just see the finished product, don't they? They don't see what's gone into it, the the ten hour, twelve hour days of filming <laughs> and all those sorts yeah. of things. Yeah, and and it was a daunting one to take on. It's sort of your first six months in media, you take on an MUTV, and I remember going, oh, 
I don't know if I'm ready, but you have to just go for it and and grow with it. And I think sometimes it's just dive in the deep end and go for it, sink Mm. or swim and... Hopefully I'm swimming. <laughs> but, <laughs> Keep saying yes. Keep saying yes. Um, what are your handles on Twitter and if people want to find you on Instagram? Because I know that you do so much behind the scenes at women's football. And if you haven't gone and seen either of the girls' pages yet, you must because you get some of that access that we don't get to see. So give it a plug. Okay, so yeah, uh, on Twitter I'm at Molly Committer. And then Rosie, what are you? I'm Rosie Committer. Nothing, yeah, nothing too major. Oh, actually, let me just clarify something. Spelling of Committer, K-M-I-T-A. People always get that wrong. Yeah. Do they? What Always do they think get that it is wrong. They put a K-A. Yeah, oh. cam, cam-mitter. Yeah. Maybe it's the way we say it. Yeah, but, um, but it's committer. And then we've also got um, the Committer Twins Instagram page as well. Yeah. Um, there you go. So, yeah, well done. Brilliant. There we We're go. Across Little it. plug. Thank you for that. <laughs> Well, as you both might be aware, we got saved recently, courtesy of social media. In fact, you both helped us because you were retweeting and saying, this show got saved by Football Manager, who is the the company now that we're working with on the WSL edition every single week. And I wanted to ask you both, have either of you played Football Manager before? I have. I haven't. This is Rosie saying yes. Rosie, yes, Yes. sorry. Yeah, so... I have, yeah. Mm. I used to play it just back in the day, like with the boys. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, we used to jump on, jump on it together. I don't know so. where I was, but I definitely have never played. But <laughs> I'm only just starting out, just getting to grips with it. And yeah. oh my word, the amount of detail that you can go into. Yeah. So did you lose part of your life? This is what most people say to me. <laughs> just get ready to just put to one side about 15 hours a week. Or yeah, something. I think you get sucked in definitely. But I mean. When I used to play it growing up, like football was your life anyway, so you, you didn't mind that at all. And I think it gives you a great understanding into the game as well. So, yeah, no, it was good fun. We're loving it and we're hoping that the women's game eventually will come to the fore in a few years. This is hopefully going to help get more people a- across the line. Who's the better manager, potential manager out of the two of you? We definitely have different p- approaches. Right, yeah. 100%. So, do you know what? We, we spoke about approaches. this before. So I think a lot, what makes a good manager is the people skills that you have with someone yes. uh, and getting yeah. the best out of your players, yeah? yeah. So I, I genuinely think I'd be the one to put an arm around the shoulder, you know, and give them a You're a good cop. Yeah, I'm good cop, 100%. And Moles is a little bit... No, no so say? I think I think it's important to be able to do both. Yeah, <laughs> little, little cuddle, but also put them in line when you need to. Rosie would allow too many cuddles and not enough work. That's the problem. Okay. I think it'd be too, too friendly. She'd definitely... Um, I'm not sure about that. We'd have different approaches. I can tell who's been spending more time with Casey Stoney. <laughs> oh, no, tell me about it. <laughs> yeah, she's teaching me a lot. She's, she's teaching, teaching you well. But just quickly on that one, I just want to say I'm so glad that Football Manager did take you guys on board. I think it was such a shame for the women's game and we can never lose something like this. So thank you so much. I think what you guys do week in, week out is so great for our game and without you, it, would it wouldn't be half in the place that it is. So Thank you yeah, so much. Thank you if only for the reason that whilst we're still involved, I get to play you at table football again in the near future because <laughs> that happened quite recently and I did better than I thought. Oh, it's very good. Right, let's get straight into it then, shall we now? First up, the FA Cup fifth round. Oh, and this music, which is so appropriate. Why does it always rain on me? Is it because I lied when I was 17? Why does it always rain on me? So 
the FA Cup fifth round fixture list was decimated by Storm Dennis, but we're not going to let it stop us. We've still got two games to talk about and a few that we can preview tonight. So we'll begin with Manchester City, the holders taking on Ipswich. 10-0 it finished. It was 3-0 at half time. I feel we have to point that out. It wasn't the giant killing that everybody, maybe the underdog wanter, wanted. Hat-tricks, though, for three different players. How often do we see this? Hat-trick for an 18-year-old Jess Park, Pauline Bramer and Georgia Stanway and that helped them secure their spot in the quarterfinals for the seventh straight year. The fourth tier giant killers Ipswich, they had progressed through six different ties to reach that stage of the competition but the defending champions were a step too far for Joe Sheehan's side. We're going to speak to Joe Sheehan in a second. First of all, your reactions to that result? Oh, I think that the magic of the FA Cup it's there. I think regardless of what that result was going to be on the weekend, the girls would have just been proud that they got to that stage and got to go and play at City and be on the same pitch as probably some of their idols. I know they're a really young team. And I think even ourselves playing in the FA Cup and you got to play at Wembley in the FA Cup final, for example, I remember that that whole tournament has created memories and experiences that I think you'd never, ever think that you'd get. So I think that's just another sort of milestone in the Ipswich journey. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, they've done so well to get there. And then from Man City's point of view, it gives the chance of like a a Jess, for example, to get a hat-trick. You know, great opportunity for young players coming through the system and for the manager to have a look at them. Um, So I think, you know, him playing Georgia Stanway at centre-half as well for a bit as well, it just gives the managers a a chance to to maybe implement some ideas that they've been having, uh, which is great. And I think it's the beauty of the FA Cup. We know about the budgets in the FA Cup. It's been well documented, not much prize money. Would they have been able to afford to give three match balls out? I mean, I don't know. I actually don't know. That, that <laughs> yes. that the question. genuine reaction is I actually don't know whether they <laughs> would. We're not going to try and flag it. We no, don't no. know the answer. I'm not sure on that one. But no, I think any, any, every penny counts at that level. And I think you do have to be aware of that. And Ipswich, even the travel costs, the expenses yes. for a city away... You, you look at that and you go, oh, thank God it was on for them. That's what I thought straight away. Thank God that game was on. Yeah. Because there's no way you can afford to cancel it, do it again. And I know that even teams in the championship probably were thinking that over the weekend. A Lewis, a, a Coventry were probably thinking, I, I, I want this game to go ahead from a financial point of view more than anything. You know what I think the answer is that we're all looking for, though, from the Manchester City players, is that Pauline Bramer, Georgia Stanway, they should let the ball go to Jess Park, shouldn't they? Yeah. She's oh, only 18. 100%. Give it to her, girls. Yeah, give it her. <laughs> um, let's talk about Alan Mahon because that's two wins out of two for him at Manchester City and it doesn't look like Nick Cushing going to the MLS has had too much of, a, of an effect. Mm. I think, you know, they're at that stage of the season now where probably Nick's got the team to where they he wants them to be and they know what they need to go out and do week in, week out. Um, so it's probably pretty much them sticking to the standards and their winning mentality that City have always had and, yeah, doing more of the same, really. Um, what do you think, Mark? Yeah, I don't, I don't think you, at this point in the season, be able to see the effects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the rest of the season will be played out the way that Nick Cushion's lined them up to be. I don't think you see that full transition until a new management is secured. Mm. Well, let's bring in Ipswich manager Joe Sheehan after that result. We've covered Manchester City, but, Joe, thank you for joining us. Pleasure, thank you. We promised we'd get you back on, didn't we, when we spoke to you last time? And we even predicted that you might even end up facing Manchester City. No regrets? No, no regrets whatsoever. I mean, we'd have a, we'd had a fabulous cup run. You know, we've played what, four teams out of seven games that are in higher divisions than us. And uh, we've loved every minute of the experience. And uh, yeah, 
disappointing to bail out of the competition. But yeah, no regrets in uh, facing Manchester City and a, and a great benchmark set for us now in our development. I mean, in terms of flagging up the difference between the sides, jokes, I feel like we should give you parity to be able to do that because this is huge. You know, you've got a fully professional outfit of Manchester City who've won the FA Cup before, have won endless titles, and you'd name seven teenagers in your starting eleven. I mean, you had an average age of 21 and you're trying to train in, in the evenings around college and, and school and things like that. Yeah, yeah, I think those that are pretty close to us and know that the journey we're on are fully understanding of, of where we are at. But, yeah, you know, we've decided that long-term to reach our aspirations, we, we want to commit our, our efforts and our time into these younger players who we know are on track because of their involvement with the national setup at youth age groups. And, and we just feel that that continuity and that, that long-term investment in these players is the way that we want to do things as a football club to, to reach our long-term ambitions. And unfortunately, it has been on track. But, you know, when you when you progress six games into an FA Cup and you're drawn against Manchester City, suddenly there's no hiding place. And, you know, whilst it is a fantastic experience, that, that is probably the first time where our players have really seen that golf. And whilst they probably knew it, I think that, you know, from a physical aspect, I think it was quite evident early on that, you know, and, and rightly so, that these players are light years ahead of us. And, you know, it's given our players a good indication of what world class looks like. And, you know, as tough as it is to be involved in a game, you know, I felt a little bit at times like, you know, someone so close to you, you haven't witnessed being tortured because, you know, they were under so much stress and emotionally and psychologically, it's so draining when you're under the cost so much. And, you know, there's, so there's no hiding. You haven't to sustain that sort of pressure that you're under. And it can be difficult, you know, especially when, you know, seven, eight goals down and you still got 15, 20 minutes to go. It's it, it takes a lot out of them and it really shows true character from the players. And, yeah, I, I think they've done themselves really proud. Completely like, love hearing you speak about it. And, you know, you can tell that you're the tough manager. They look, you could put your, arm, your arms around the girls after the game and, and look after them in that sense, because that is tough as a player. What was the atmosphere like after the game then in the change room? Yeah, they... They were a little bit bruised. I mean, we were in a really difficult position because, say, at our level, and I take the academy level in that, in, in which league we're involved in with the WSL, with all the academy teams. I mean, we're in the academy semi-final. So, you know, we're now with one of the top four academies in, in our country from, from that aspect. And we're doing OK in the league. And we've got a good senior run of form. And, you know, we've got great confidence in our players that they've got great belief. And, and like I said, in the build-up, really, when, when you're building a culture and environment of of fearlessness and, and a real brave work ethic and being bold with and without the ball. You, you can't just switch that off all of a sudden because, you know, that's 18 months in, in, in progress. So we knew that we had to give them belief because, you know, especially in this day and age where, you know, mental health is, is, is so widely spoken about and, you know, with self-esteem and anxiety and, you know, our players were feeling confident and, and had belief going into this game. So the last thing we wanted to do is, He's put plant a seed of negativity in, and you know if, if they're in a position where they're feeling, you know, confident about the experience, then that's what we were happy to run with. You know, we still knew we still knew the golf, we still knew how big the challenge was, but you know we wanted them to go and believe that they could cause an upset. I mean, Paul Lambert came in at half time, and you know he's he's seen us play a lot, and he knows what they're capable of, and he and he wanted to see a little bit more from them. He wanted to see him have a bit more of a go and be a bit more aggressive. And so, did did Paul come in and actually have a, a chat with him at half time? Yeah, he came oh, in before okay. the game, came in at half-time and, yeah, I think that the 3-0 scoreline maybe changed our attitude towards the second half where 
you know, we'd identified that, you know, we might never get this opportunity again. You know, you've got one shot at this. And I think that probably contributed to a little bit of emotion at the end because, you know, they've, they've never suffered a defeat like that before and they put a lot into it and, you know, they couldn't have done much more really. But yeah, a few tears, but I think they'll, they'll take a lot from it and it'll be a, a valuable learning experience. This is the Offside Rule WSL edition from Muddy Knees Media. The other match we'll come to then, Sunderland against Birmingham. Birmingham 1-0 winners in this one, and it wasn't short of drama either. Former captain Lucy Staniforth's 84th-minute free kick was the only thing that separated third-tier Sunderland from Birmingham in this win for the Blues. And it all kicked off in the final 10 minutes. Now, what we understand that happened here is that someone in the crowd was goading and being abusive towards Lucy during the match... She then goes and scores in the high passion and emotion of that. She runs over to sort of rub it in, I suppose, which is, which is fine. But then apparently uh, swore in the process of that. And that's why she got shown a red card in this match as well. First of all, as players, mm. that must be something that you've come up against before with the rivalry. And also she played for Sunderland before it was a former club. There must have been an element of that in it. How you react, I guess, is is the thing here. And the swearing is what got her sent off. Mm. I think what people don't understand as players, it's very hard to go back to your old club. It brings back a lot of emotion. And, and Lucy was at Sunderland for a very long time and had a great spell there. So that's what people maybe need to consider as well. Completely disagree with the swearing, but everything else, you know, scoring a last-minute winner, of course you're going to be celebrating that, of course. Yeah. Um Yes, there's a way to do it, but at the same time, if she was getting pushed to the limit, there's there's going to be a time where you break, right? And in women's football, I think the crowd size is an important thing to point out because you do hear it so clearly. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we're not in 40,000-seater stadiums, that is something that you, you do hear. It probably, I likened it to when you poke a bear and eventually you want to <laughs> roar back, don't you? Yeah, and... and as you said, it happened in the in the final 10 minutes, didn't it? So I think maybe we don't know. We don't know the ins and outs. But if that had been happening for 80 plus minutes, I do think you get to a point where you go, all right, well, if this goes in, she's having it sort of thing. And, yeah. I know, and, and it feels like that's what's happened. So, yeah, disagree with the swearing, but... Yeah. The adrenaline rush you can you can agree with. And for anyone thinking that it was a bit harsh for Lucy Staniforth, you know, consummate professional that we've seen over the years, the referee at her assistance did actually get the supporter ejected from the stadium as well. I think we should point that out. Yeah. And I think afterwards the manager as well said, you know, it's difficult to be pleased with the score, the way you play and everything else outside that, but at least we won. I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of going back into the dressing room and saying that isn't really how we wanted the game to be marred, but it is what it is try and focus on the goal and the win yeah definitely and you know like like Lucy is a great professional so it's it's a shame that that's that's happened um especially after a great win and her scoring the winner the emotions realistically should be very high in the change room after scoring a goal like that but yeah I, I I kind of feel for her to be honest um and I'm glad that the the fan got got sent away as well yeah 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 Absolutely. Well, the rest of the fixtures were all victim of Storm Dennis, as we said at the top. They included Crystal Palace against Brighton, postponed at 12.53 on Sunday. We like to point this out so that everyone up and down the country knows when these games got postponed, OK? <laughs> uh, no new date for that one yet. Chelsea v Liverpool, that was postponed on Friday afternoon, early doors, 10 past four, rescheduled for tonight. Yep. That's happening tonight. 
Arsenal against Lewis postponed at Sunday 8.31 in the morning. Um, that's been rescheduled for February the 23rd. Arsenal's home women's Super League match against Reading, which had originally been scheduled for that day, by the way, that's been moved to another date. And Leicester against Reading postponed on Sunday at 10.37 in the morning. No new date for that one as it stands. So we'll come on to tonight because we record this podcast on a Monday morning. Joining the rearranged Chelsea versus Liverpool fixture are also Bristol City versus Everton at Ashton Gate and Coventry versus Tottenham. And it's also worth drawing to your attention that during halftime of Chelsea-Liverpool, you can find out the quarterfinal draw for the FA Cup as part of BBC Radio 5 Live's Monday Nightclub. You're listening to the Offside Rule WSL edition with football manager. I'm joined by Molly and Rosie Kamita and we're going to go through the midweek fixture WSL results as well. If you missed them, there was a full programme of action. So we'll quickly take you through those results now. Five games on Wednesday night. The top two continue their outstanding form with yet another win each. Manchester City stay top thanks to their 1-0 victory over Bristol City. The league leaders were playing in their first match under Alan Mahon since the departure of Nick Cushing and it was a goal inside the opening two minutes from Gemma Bonner that sealed the points and Bonner did admit afterwards that there are things that they need to improve on I think in the FA Cup match though both of you we saw those improvements mm-hmm. straight away Bristol City stayed bottom of the table that was their ninth defeat in 13 games so far this season because we've spoken City let's talk Bristol a second yeah Bristol's an interesting one I mean they have got very good individuals and they're young and they've got a lot of potential in that side and they've got a great manager in Tanya. So it's one of them clubs that you really want them, to, you want to see them do well. It's just they're struggling to get it over the line. And yeah, I think it's going to take a bit more time, to be honest. And mm. it's all a process, right? Um, yeah. There's a, so there's a lot in place that's, that could go really well, like you're saying, Molly. Is this a team that's very well equipped that even if they were to be the relegated team this season, they could come back up straight away? Yeah, they got the tools to do so, right? But again, it's it's whether you've got the players that stay. And that's mm. always the thing with getting relegated. Do your players stay? And if they believe in the long-term vision of the club, they're all, they're all quite young, the core of that team. If they believe in the long-term vision and that Bristol, even if they go down long-term, they can be a, a club and a force to be reckoned with, then you hope that that's the case. But mm. you never know. Well, meanwhile, Beth England scored her 13th goal of the season to help Chelsea beat Birmingham. They maintained their unbeaten record. Guro Wrighton gave the Blues the lead just before half-time, before England sealed their fifth straight win. It was a fourth consecutive defeat for Birmingham. They remain only a point above bottom side Bristol City, we've just been talking about, and they host them next weekend. We'll have more on that later. Let's talk top two. Emma Hayes came out midweek. She said Beth England, for the Lionesses, the best number nine they could have at the moment. She's obviously stating a case for Phil Neville to pick her for the She Believes Cup and also later on when you look at the Olympic team that he's going to be picking as well she's had five caps so far do you think that this is it now she's destined to become a regular I really hope so for her she's quality so clinical um, and she just always finds a way so she's given every reason for Neville to look at her now so I really hope this uh, year definitely he's got a tough job coming up with that selection there's Mm. so many players that you want to put in the hat for that one Um, but she has to be in it who do you think might disappointed if you were just to go on sort of a gut instinct of it oh do you know what there's part of me because she's young like chloe kelly yeah um but then because she's got more time yeah she's got more time Mm. yeah exactly to to kind of grow um in that role but then i hope not because she's been great 
Um, I don't know. It all depends on, on, on what he looks at. Does he look at current form? Does he look at a period of seasons over a period of time? You, you don't know what his criteria is, I guess. But if you look at current form right now, Chloe Kelly, for me, has to be involved. Mm. But again, yeah, there could be disappointment there. There could be upset because actually she is very young. And yeah, it's, it's a toughie. It's a really toughie. Toughie. Really toughie, yeah. We'll take that bit out. <laughs> I'm gonna relieve you. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna quiz you any more yeah, on that I'm for now. Sure. Let's talk so the league display for Manchester City, not quite as convincing as the FA Cup one, and of course there was such a gulf in the opposition. But going into this huge match against Chelsea on Sunday, this is the showdown that everyone's been waiting for. Do you think it's more advantage Chelsea because of that midweek display? I just think it is advantage Chelsea at the minute, regardless just of anything. Regardless, just across regardless, across the board. They've got that game in hand. Game in hand. The depth in like just everything about them is just so dominant right now. And I think their last out in, they take the win there as well. So I think they go in with all this confidence. And I'm trying to think of areas of the pitch right now that Man City could potentially find their weaknesses in but I don't know if there are any I really don't know if there are any and even if you see that they have got a potential inverted brackets weakness because they've got players on international duty Mm. the players that they've then called up have really impressed they've like slotted in straight away a word as well on the on the news coming out of Chelsea this week that they are going to doctor their training around menstrual cycles Mm. now Mm. they're going to be the first team to do so is this long overdue personally I think that it is something that every club should be doing. I think that there's now been enough research and sort of in-depth knowledge around the topic that there is evidence that it's causing major injuries, you know, ACLs or whatever it may be. It's become too common in our game, so it can only be a positive. And um, I think for me, it is, it is very long overdue. When you played, did you did you have to keep diaries or anything like that? Was there anything around it or was it just ignored completely? Uh, no, so um, last year at West Ham, we'd have an app where we'd log it. And so our S&C coach would know, managers would know, you know. But previously, no, like when we were playing uh, in the championship and things like that, no, you, you just would, would crack on. You'd have to. Mm. Um, so, and you know, it, it's, so, it's so tough, right? Because... Everyone's affected in different ways. So it's it's very tough one. But I, I think Chelsea implementing that just shows the direction of the club and they're they're being so forward thinking with things now and it just it shows where they're at, definitely. And I hope it's not just gonna stop with WSL fully professional sides, that it does go down. So when you're saying that you played in the championship, there's yeah. no, no sign. We want it to go all the way through mm-hmm. to grassroots, don't we really? Um Reading, they moved up to fourth in the table thanks to a two-nil victory over West Ham. Goals coming in this one from Jade Moore and Brooke Chaplin. The Hammers staying eighth. Uh, Spurs and Everton, they played out an entertaining two-all draw at the hive. Spurs winger Rosella Ayan receiving a straight red late in the second half after kicking out I have to say that having at the very beginning of the season saying there's not many red cards in women's football <laughs> suddenly there's been an influx just in one week they must have heard you they must have I mean anything I say people just then go and do the opposite I think sometimes <laughs> uh, the Toffees have been in control um, after goals from Chloe Kelly we mentioned uh, Inessa Kargman but Spurs hit back through substitute Angela Addison uh, there was a superb um, long range free kick as well from Emma Mitchell Everton sits six in the table two points ahead of 
of Spurs. And the points were also shared between Brighton and Man United after an incredible start from Casey Stoner's side, which saw them go ahead. I think this is perhaps one of the quickest goals ever. Yeah. 15 seconds. It was a deflected cross from 18-year-old Lauren James. It forced an own goal from Megan Walshfeld for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the 44th minute, Brighton's top scorer Aileen Whelan built on some excellent work from Kayleigh Green and she headed in her fifth goal of the campaign. So that's now two draws in a row for United after none all season. Why are they suddenly drawing? Yeah, it's interesting. I interviewed Casey after the game and, you know, she they're very aware of where they're at in terms of their process and their long-term goal and she understands that she's got uh, young players in her squad and I remember interviewing Jackie Groen after as well and they spoke about these sort of blips in their campaign and how they wouldn't try and let it affect them and I think sometimes you've seen teams have little blips where they're drawing or losing and they pretty much can't get themselves out of the rut and I think what Casey will try and implement is draw a line and go again and Mm -hmm. try and not sort of let it die down on all the great work that has been done um, at the club but it is just a case of finishing at the minute there's defensively they're so they're so tight everything's so organised and the way they play is is really hard to break down but it is just a case of finishing those chances when you get it and not letting it drag out to the final minute where everyone's panicking they had their chances they just couldn't put them away but we were there on that night and it seemed quicker than 15 seconds that first goal no it was ridiculous. honestly no it was 15 yeah yeah it seemed quicker though I'd I couldn't believe it. It felt like you blinked. <laughs> Genuinely, I don't think I was sat down. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, ama- yeah, amazing. She's she's great. Though, also, she? when people are still getting to their seats, because I don't know, they're buying a hot dog or whatever, and I get, it really drives me mad. It's like the game starts when it starts, be there. Yeah. And the, the whistle goes at halftime when it goes, be there. Because yeah. then if you miss something, yeah. it's your own fault. Yes. So, Rosie, she's taking notes. We had one game on Thursday night. Uh, we mentioned her goal drought in the WSL edition last week, Viv Miedemar. Well, she showed us, didn't she? That's another thing that just went against what we said. Uh, she'd never gone five WSL appearances without scoring, and it was two for her here, her 15th and 16th goals of the season. Good passing here by Arsenal. Miedemar's waiting in the middle. Nobs with the cross to try and find her, and she did. And Miedemar, as usual, did the rest. Myers cross, good ball. Fantastic cross. And guess who was there to finish it off? Just when Arsenal really needed a goal. Step forward, Vivian Miedemar. Who else? There you have them. Two crucial goals as Arsenal battled to a 3-2 win at relegation-threatened Liverpool. Those were Miedemar's first league goals in 2020 and it's stretching her lead in the WSL top scorer market because I know that we're all in that one. It's moved her three clear of Beth England, who's in second. Who do you think will get the the golden boot? I think <sighs> Viv. Do you think? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I just think don't think so you, good. I just don't think you can write Beth off either. I really don't. It's a tough one to call, right? Both from a quality, so, mm. Mm. yeah. I'm glad you said the word quality, because in terms of quality of shots rather than quantity, <laughs> uh, we mentioned her earlier, Rachel Furness. Ooh. Yeah, yeah her, her and Emma Mitchell's goals were just ridiculous. They were the standout yeah, ones, weren't they? they yeah. were ridiculous. But, yeah, Rachel Furness is a great addition to that Liverpool side, and she showed what she could do at Spurs, and she was such an impactful player, and I think Spurs are lucky to have had Emma Mitchell come in at the time she's come in to, uh, to sort of replace that, that hole and gap that Rachel Furness would have left. Yeah, because she definitely would have left one. Like, you can tell... She 
she had great impact at Spurs. And having that impact in such a short space of time, that's tough because mm. you're still transitioning yourself. Um, so to go in at Spurs and have that impact that she did and then perform the way she is now at Liverpool, it's amazing. It shows the type of player she is. Mm. Well, this is what it all means then. We're going to talk table. Uh, one point separates Man City and Chelsea at the top. Emma Hayes' side, though, have that crucial game in hand. Arsenal are two points further adrift before a 15-point gap. This is how much ahead those top three are to Reading, who are currently the best of the rest in a very congested mid-table. Down the bottom, there's a gap with Birmingham, Liverpool and Bristol City, six or seven points adrift of the rest. But with that caveat, because of the postponed matches, the table isn't exactly as it seems. It's hard to predict towards the bottom especially. Uh, We'll go on to some other news now. We start on a very sombre note, I'm afraid. Footballers have been speaking out on social media. Um, We've seen lots of tweets from many people uh, around the country after the tragic death of Caroline Flack. And you might wonder why I'm bringing that up. First of all, manager for Manchester United, Casey Stoney, tweeted about it. She said, so very, very sad. Next time you're tapping away on your keyboard in hate, just stop for a second. And remember that's someone's daughter. It's their sister, their auntie, their friend. And most importantly, a person with feelings and emotions rest in peace. There were so many other outpourings from the women's game. Uh, Lucy Bronze just said, this news is absolutely devastating, sick to my stomach. Lessons have to be learned. People in the public eye are real people. And the reason I bring that in, because people might not naturally make the connection between entertainment presenter and women's football, but I think a real important reason to bring this up now is that women's football, particularly on social media, has had a torrent of abuse. A torrent of it. Some of it aimed generally at the world of women's football some of it aimed at individuals and it really isn't on and I think it's just making that point that if you haven't got anything nice to say why bother saying it and I know that you both felt very very passionately about this yeah definitely and and it's such a shame that we we sit here and and uh, speak about this today and to be honest with you thinking about our own experiences I think that when you grow up in a world of women's football you're sort of taught to expect it. Mm. And that is the saddest thing about it because actually I remember management having conversations with us. Something's been said at halftime from a fan or someone's shouted something and you've just got to get on with it. And you're going, but it's just not that easy. I remember things have been said to us in the past and you take it home with you. 100% you take it home with you. And, and to this day, you still remember those words that are said. And I think that it's a shame that it's taken this to happen for everyone to understand the importance of mental health and people just being nice it is not that hard just be nice and and my despair with it is that as a society why are we so fixated on trying to pull people down all the time and I look at at other countries around the world and I actually think that the UK is one of the worst for this we we build people up and then we bring them down and why can't we all lift each other up continuously I know it's like people feel like there's not enough space for everyone to achieve great things and it's yeah that's the problem and there absolutely is there's room for everyone to be great and I think if we continue to support each other especially as you know as young women you know at this day and age where social media is massive in everything that we do uh, whether you're a footballer in entertainment or whatever it is we have to stand by each other and support each other because 
we're all sensitive in our own ways and people might display it in different in different ways but even if they aren't showing it to a certain capacity it doesn't mean they're not they're not feeling the harsh words that people are saying yeah so eloquently put thank you i mean off the back of the heads up campaign i think what we want to say here at the offside rule wsl edition is that if you're a women's footballer that listens to this or if you're a women's football fan that listens to this and sometimes whether that be male or female you feel that the world's getting on top of you please talk because this this community is a family isn't it mm-hmm. Uh, we'll move next on to other news. Um, anyone who, who wanted an update on Kim Little because the Arsenal and Scotland midfielder had that awful injury to her foot. She's expected to return before the end of the season after undergoing successful surgery. So that's great news for her. Chelsea right back Hannah Blundell signed a new contract until 2022, which is brilliant news. Only 25, but already through Chelsea's academy has helped the club win domestic doubles in 2015 and the 17-18 season. Wow. Hannah is an amazing... Um, girl on and off the pitch she's an amazing player but I just think the fact she's come through the Chelsea set up the academy she'll be a pinnacle for sort of Chelsea's um, pathway and everything that they want it to stand for Um, and I'm really glad she's staying there it's her home Everton are going to play for the first time at their new Walton Hall Park home against Manchester United on Sunday. Uh, The team have been playing their home matches so far this season in Southport, but this has been moved. It's the home of Liverpool's County FA, approximately one mile from Goodison Park. And that means that it's just going to be so much easier for fans. Uh, Reading women midfielder Brooke Chaplin, she signed a contract extension. We don't want to forget her. That's keeping her at the club until June 2021. At 30 years old now, Brooke Chaplin, um, and has joined the Royals since 2017. She's been the the club's top goal scorer in her debut season, so she's been vital for them. Um, And then a look at next week's action. We have Birmingham, Bristol City, a big battle down at the bottom. Everton, Man United, which is sixth versus fifth. Arsenal, Reading, Brighton, Tottenham. West Ham, Liverpool and all those eyes going on Manchester City v Chelsea on Sunday. Any of those that you want to just very briefly mention? Well, I'll be at the Everton-Man United game. So, um, yes, with I'm, your MUTV <laughs> Yeah, I'm hoping yep. Man United can do the job on Sunday. I really do. Well, the West Ham-Liverpool game, it'd be interesting to see how West Ham bounce back. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely. And then Liverpool, you know... After performing like that against Arsenal, I think they're they're finally finding their feet, you know. So that would be a great game, I think. Okay. Them uh, Phil Neville, he names his squad for the She Believes Cup tomorrow. That's on Tuesday this week. This podcast recorded on a Monday morning. We wait and see who will be included to face USA, Spain, Japan in the tournament. It's all happening in March. Uh, written up by friend of the show Kieran Taven for The Athletic uh, following a number of postponements over the last two weekends the FA is holding a consultation with the FA Women's Championship Clubs over extending the season beyond its scheduled final date we'd like to know what you think about that you can actually get in touch via Twitter at Offside Rule Pod some exciting news in Japan as well it's new fully professional women's league kicks off in September 2021 are we going to start losing players to the Japan League? Um, it's going to require at least one female executive at each club well at least half of all the staff roles have to be filled by women which is a good move Uh, the league will run between September and May between 6 to 10 clubs will take part amazing that's That's great move really interesting yeah Yeah, my head's ticking (laughs) Japan I bet you wish I bet Molly wish she played football manager now didn't you yeah yeah there we go I would have been maybe they need some broadcasters (laughs) who knows Uh, well that's your lot for this week thanks again to our new sponsor football manager who we couldn't bring you this without we'll be back next week to react to what could be the defining weekend of this WSL season head over to the website offsiderallpodcast.com we've got all our latest news and articles covering both the men's and women's games and thank 
Thank you, ladies. What are you both up to this week, apart from your matches as well? Oh, what are we up to this week? Yeah, just a lot of prep, actually. That's all I'll be doing this week, prepping. This is the stuff that you were saying behind the scenes. Yes. The prep, yeah, prep, yes. prep. A lot goes into it. A lot goes into it. So I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that, Rose. Thank you. <laughs> oh, we'll ask everyone as well to leave a five-star review. If you don't mind, wherever you get, you get your podcasts, if you can hit five stars, leave a little review. That would be fantastic. Thank you, listeners. We'll see you again next week. You've been listening to The Offside Rule, WSL edition, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddyneesmedia.com. And for more from The Offside Rule, head to our website, offsiderulepodcast.com. Muddy Knees Media.